Hey everybody, it's me, running the show, and the, the mice are here to talk while the cat's away. Welcome to Respawn Aim Fire, Kick-Ass Reverend Gaming Podcast from Alpha Idiots. I'm your host, Adam, the biggest mouse in the yard, Comfort. <laughs> and we have with us today, Alex. He's actually a house mouse. Cosina. Cinderella! Hello. How's it going? Oh, I'm alright. You know, Chad is away because he's dealing with family stuff, but we're here to play around. I'm actually pretty good, so I found a little, uh, what do you call it, a hack? Life hack? Do kids still say that? Yeah, 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 life hack. I mean, the thing about life hacking is I feel like that term was very popular for, like, a pretty long time, and then I feel like there was sort of a, like, period of, like, debunking and shaming where people are like, you know, living your entire life in life hack mode is not very healthy for your spirit. It's just creating a bunch of shortcuts and not letting yourself really just breathe in the essence of what makes life beautiful. And so I feel like now it's not necessarily as popular and as coveted as it once was, but people, people like life hacks. Yeah. I've got a really good one. Doesn't deter my soul whatsoever. So here's what you do, right? You get on, I use Grubhub specifically because they gave me a year of no delivery fees when I had Amazon. It's like okay. you have Amazon Prime, you get a year of no delivery fees, but you get to just cancel it on your own. Whatever, that's fine. So I went on Grubhub and I said, hey, shout out to Wendy's, this little redheaded girl, right? And when you go on Wendy's on Grubhub, any combo you get doesn't change its price when you change the size. So I got a bunch of like the little dollar, like value bag or whatever thing, and I switched everything to large. So large fry large drink this isn't even a fountain drink this is a specialty drink price didn't change at all so i basically got and, a ten dollar combo for five bucks and this isn't just like an in-app like issue with the text string right this is something that uh also is relevant when you receive your bill correct yeah no they don't charge me more at all it's just the the in the app it's like all right it's five dollars here's your your options and then i can just pick a bigger option after I pick my drink and my fries and it doesn't charge me more and I've always gotten my food and they don't charge me more later on. They just, they have to give it to me, I suppose. I think probably Grubhub loses money, not Wendy's. So Wendy's doesn't really care. Wow. I don't think that we have Grubhub available here in Canada. So unfortunately that's not something that we can take advantage of, but good on you for finding that. It's also the only restaurant I found that does it. The other restaurants, when you change the sizes, it's like, all right, we're going to charge you an extra dollar twenty-five or whatever. But Wendy's, they're throwing it away. Take a baconator fry for free. We don't give a shit. Live your life. Um, did I say <laughs> Twitch.tv slash Affleby? It's on the news at eight thirty. YouTube podcast services nine a.m. Eastern time. Um, but yeah, there's a little life hack. If you have Wendy's and Grubhub in the states, you can just get free bigger food, and they won't do anything. Or you can substitute your fries for like a baked potato with everything on top of it, which would normally be like four bucks. And they're just like, no, it's just included. Don't worry about it. It's pretty good. Hmm. Pretty good. Uh, upcoming on today's show, we're talking about some Diablo, some Street Fighter. But first, Nintendo had an Indie World Showcase. It's from Cat Bailey at IGN.com. And what I did, I don't know if you watched it or not, I just took out the four or five things that interested me. Because Indies are cool. They're awesome. But I'm like, what are the ones that are heavy hitters for Adam? And that's the ones I'm talking about. So... Uh, we're gonna go ahead and start with, wait, did you have, no, the thing you talked to me about beforehand is here in playtime, isn't it? Yes. I want to make sure I didn't skip you doing a thing. All right. All right. Um, Rift of the Necrodancer. Now this one I put in here just for you. 
uh, received a new trailer for Nintendo Switch, a spinoff of Crypt of the Necrodancer. Rift is a rhythm game with lane-based combat, powerful monsters, and boss fights. Rift of the Necrodancer will feature multiple characters and a new storyline, and it figures to be one of 2023 standout games when Brace Yourself Games releases it later this year. I put this in here for you. I remember you didn't like Crypt a ton, but then you did like the Zelda one. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the way the story went. How do you do? You care about this one, or does <laughs> no Zelda music? I don't care. I mean, yeah, th- this one isn't really doing a lot for me. Lots of cute characters, uh, lots of anime influences to go around. It seems like there's like this like visual novel component to the game now, which is pretty novel. The game looks like it's going to be of a decent level of quality, but I don't know that it's something that I'm interested in jumping into, to be honest. But good on them. Yep, I was just wondering if it was the Zelda or it was the actual gameplay of the of the Necrodancer games that got you, but Zelda it seems to be. Because you said that first one was really hard, right? Like harder than you were expecting? Uh, yeah, I, I, now, now I will say, I will say, like, part of me saying um, it, it was a really hard game was also the fact that I played that game on the DDR pad the first time that I ever played it. Uh, prior to its release and so that definitely influenced things also it's one of those things where like uh and i've talked about this on the podcast if you look up its platinum trophy what you have to go through to get its platinum trophy on playstation it's like super duper crazy hard so i'm to be fair judging its difficulty on a bunch of factors that aren't necessarily super relevant if i were to just play through the game like normally but yeah I, i i think that they even things out for uh, a cadence of Hyrule and also, you know, added in that little Zelda flair that made it a little bit more palatable. And this game doesn't really look like it has that. And on top of that, I mean, it's not even a traditional Necrodancer game to begin with. So not for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, cool. Uh, Next up, this one interested me. So I've talked about it before, but I've continued my love of Dead Cells and Dead Cells having the update of the we're all here update or whatever, where it's like every indie video game, action game of all time is in Dead Cells, which is great. The previous one of this game was one of those. So Blasphemous 2 received a new trailer featuring the return of the Pentent... Pent... Pentent 1. And the original game's trademark pixel-based art, which will be paired with newly added weapons, an expanded moveset, progressive systems, and custom builds. Blasphemous 2 launches on Nintendo Switch this summer. And this is just one of those, like, indie Metroidvania games where everyone's like, oh, this game kicks ass. And it's also uh, has stuff in Dead Cells. So this was I'm, I'm looking out for. It's uh, it's really really looks cool. I'm into it. Uh, Cult of the Lamb, Relics of the Old Faith was announced. Dozen of new items, relics, and enemies are scattered across Remix Dungeons, guarded by new versions of the four Guardian Bishops. Take your spoils back to the cult with new buildings to construct and followers to recruit, plus a new unlockable quest. Uh, after beating the game, keep the faith going with new permadeath, gauntlet, and boss rush modes. Relics of the Old Faith launches on Nintendo Switch on April 24th. Launches everywhere, and it's a free update to Cult of the Lamb. Did you play this game? I know we talked about it a lot in our indie I game did. year last year. So yeah, I didn't remember if you did. Cult of the Lamb was one of the last games that I uh, played in 2022. I kind of slotted it in there at the very end in between a couple of other games I wanted to get out of the way before the end of the year. Uh, and I enjoyed it. I don't, if that game made my top 10 list, it didn't because I probably would have put it at number 11. Gotcha. I think it was pretty high in our indie category or indie bracket, if I remember, yeah. um, but not the overall one, but no, it's very cool. <laughs> Free DLC. And I will I will probably check out this DLC when it releases on PlayStation. Um, 
you know, w- we'll see how long I stick around with the game because eventually I did kind of grow tired of it and was sort of ready for it to be done with. But you never know. Yep, free stuff is never bad. Um, and then the last one, which uh, was probably the biggest announcement of the of the showcase, Oxen Free Two. The sequel to the popular indie by Night School Studios and Netflix, because Netflix bought Night School, everybody, officially has a release date. Set five years after the original game, it will star Riley as a new character as she returns to her hometown to investigate strange electromagnetic waves and will feature a new walkie-talkie system that allows her to communicate with other characters. Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals has a release date of July 12th. And this was the one that it's like, Oxenfree 2, coming to everything, including Netflix, because it'll be on mobile on their Netflix app. Mm -hmm. Everything but Xbox. Which is weird because it's on the first one's on Xbox and everything else, but Oxen Reef 2, very exciting. Which is too bad because looking at the trailer for this game, this seems like the kind of game that I would check out on Xbox Game Pass. Because, like, I'm not like I, I never played the original Oxen Free 2. Uh, sorry, I never played the original Oxen Free. This game, Oxen Free 2 Lost Signals, looks interesting, very beautiful, very picturesque. It's not grabbing me enough to shell out money to play it but i would play it if it was a game pass game but i guess that's not going to be an option yeah i'm assuming it'll come later but just not at the i don't know i'm sure someone made a deal somewhere um because again the first one is on everything again it being on netflix i don't know if i really want to play a game like that on mobile but you should check out the first one it is a little bit of a spooky game a little spooky fun time indie game i think it's very cool i think it's worth your time uh, but yeah, that's all the things. I don't know if you watched it or if you cared. Was there anything for you, or is it like cool indie stuff? I mean, uh, yeah, nothing that like especially spoke to me. But you know, good on Nintendo for getting a few names in there that like we all know and care about. You know, Cult of the Lamb, Oxen Free. If you're gonna do a Nintendo Indie World Showcase, this is the way to do it. But nothing that personally super appealed to me. All right, very cool. Uh, with that being said, the mice will continue to play because the cat hasn't poked his head in yet. We're gonna move on to playtime, and I want to get to you because we've already mentioned it once. So what sure. is up with this? You you turncoat. You flip a do flip it flippery do over here, changing your opinions on everybody. I mean, if you're referring to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, we technically already talked about this at length uh, on last week's episode. So I'm surprised that you're letting out all your (laughs) aggression and hate right here and right now. We're just two mice playing in the walls. What do you want me to do? (laughs) Having a good time. Yeah, I beat uh, Breath of the Wild uh, just a couple of days ago. It it was one of those things where like, I could have gone in and, you know, taken on Ganon's castle at any point, but I decided, you know what, I'm going to go out, explore the world a little bit more, see what else there is for me to do before I take on the old final boss. Uh, and I finally mustered up the courage, beat him. Uh, just a, a great game. I'm not ready to say just yet whether it's one of my favorite Zelda games. I will say that final boss leaves a little bit of a dissatisfied taste in my mouth. It's not, I would feel, representative of so much of the kind of creativity that the game had to offer leading up to it. But the the moments where where the game 
uh, soars. It really soars. And I, I'm looking forward to continuing to play it, discovering more secrets and hidden goodies in it. I'm currently at 97 shrines, I want to say. So I got 20-something more to go. Uh, I also, after I beat it, I immediately bought the um, two DLC packs, which now is just, on the Nintendo eShop, it's just one DLC pack. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I went and I equipped the Korok mask right away so I could just more easily uh, find Korok-like puzzles and seeds as I continue to play the game post... Uh, post uh, sorry, how do you how do you describe it? Wait a minute. I was going to say like post like uh bot end game boss fight but like the game doesn't really have an end game because it's one of those games where once you beat the final boss you're kind of just plopped back into the game just before you faced off against the final boss credits maybe sure that that's that's a good way of putting it post credits i wanted to to make things easier for me to find uh those koroks post credits um Right now, I'm just sort of focusing on, again, uh, completing some of those shrines I didn't previously get to, completing side quests I didn't previously finish. Uh, Eventually, I will take on some of the DLC-related missions, the Trial of the Master Sword and the uh, Champion's Ballad, uh, which I I know people are like, you know, they're not exactly the greatest things in sliced bread, but I'm expecting them to still be pretty fun. Looking forward to seeing if there are any story details from them that will be able to kind of help better prepare me for Tears of the Kingdom when it comes out in just a few weeks. Which one's uh, the motorcycle yeah. one? Uh, that was number two. Okay. Um, but the way that the way that it worked, I, like I said, I purchased both DLC packs one and two now because now that's the only way that you can purchase them. Uh, so I technically have access to most of, of this content all at once, although the game actually does force you to actually go out into the world and like find the items in question. Like, for example, for the Korok mask, I actually had to go into the Lost Woods and find it in like a random treasure chest. The game doesn't just like plop the stuff in your inventory, which is a little bit annoying, but, you know, with the help of a strategy guide or two, it's not that bad. So then my other question for you, because you've beaten it, we're post credits now. We're having fun. What's your plan until Tears of the Kingdom? Do you have anything on the horizon, or is it just like let me do everything in Breath of the Wild and then I'll just go straight into Tears of the Kingdom? I, I talked about this on last week's episode. I really wish that I had just gotten over things and jumped into this game much sooner because I really wish that I had like a month or two to kind of rest and recover before jumping back into uh, the world of Zelda with Tears of the Kingdom. My plan was, once I realized that I was back in on Zelda and was loving Breath of the Wild, my plan was I wanted to beat as much of the base game as possible, beat everything that the two DLC packs had to offer, and then complete uh, Age of Calamity, which is, for the record, non-canon. Like, it, it goes in like a completely different continuity from Breath of the Wild and ends in a very different place from seemingly how Tears of the Kingdom will start. Uh, but I did want to play that game ahead of Tears of the Kingdom. Now, with the timeline of things and uh, with me also needing to complete uh, Stranger Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, I probably will not have the time to complete all that stuff if I want to play Tears of the Kingdom at release. Uh, but then again, I'm also under no obligation necessarily to play that release either. But then again, it is good for the algorithm. We'll be able to get a lot more clicks if we can see that we've been playing the game at release. It's it's a whole affair, and I'll think about it. I'll mm-hmm. think it out. Because I was just wondering, because yeah, you, you mentioned that timeline, but I was like, oh, but you've just beaten the base game. Like, 
relative, like, you know, you still got a little over two weeks, you know, there's a little bit of time there, but I guess I forgot yeah. that you wanted to play an entire another game in there. Well, I don't know how much, how long Age of Calamity would take. I haven't looked on how long to beat, but. It, the original Hyrule Warriors was like, I want to say that was like 12 to 14 hours, discounting mm. like all the like side questy stuff. It wasn't like the longest game ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's a lot of things occupying my time, a lot of things uh, distracting me and taking me away from the beloved world of Legend of Zelda, which I have fallen oh so in love with. I wish, I wish you could join me, Adam. I gotta be honest. I wish you could join me. But if you want to stay over there on your Zelda hating rock, it's okay. I don't, help. I don't hate Zelda. I just don't want to play that video game again. I'm good. I tried it, didn't enjoy it. It's fine. Um, I'm just looking forward to Star Wars, so we're good. Uh, all right, so for me... What are, they, what are these things mean? I hate when I do this and I don't know what it means. Oh, okay. This first one. I saved specific. I was going to talk about it this week. But I was like, no, Chad's not going to be here, so I had to save it. But I started Coffee Talk 2. And I'm going to beat Coffee Talk 2. And I want Chad to sit here and listen to me talk all about it. Because I know it's his favorite barf game that we ever did. The first one. So he needs to listen to the, <laughs> talk about the second one. I know, I know that I just talked about how there are a million Zelda games that I want to play before tears of the kingdom and a million other things i need to get to when do you think you'll finish that game by coffee talk two yeah mm, i mean i have to beat it before friday because that's what star wars comes out and i'm done playing everything else i need to play so that's i'll probably play it tomorrow to be honest with you and probably beat it by tuesday because real talk i that is another game i've been meaning to get around to as well and have just not had the time to do so if we could both beat it and be able to talk about it uh I was about to say man-to-man, but this would be man-to-man to Chad uh, in our particular case. If we could both be able to talk about it on next episode of Respawning Fire, that would actually be very clutch. I'm down. So no promises, but yeah, I'll see if I can make that work. I will have it beaten by then for sure. Because again, there's nothing between now and, and uh, Star Wars for me. So I can definitely beat the eight-hour visual novel by then. But oh boy, exciting, exciting, exciting. Uh, next, what, uh, oh, let me actually double check and make sure I spelled this right. Um, yes, it is correct. The next up, excuse me, the next game I played is Hope's End, which is a game I got a a code for to review, and it is, oh, Lord, let me pull that back up. Um, it's basically, someone took, like, StarCraft II, had, like, a game mode where you, like, defended towers and stuff, and they made that into a new video game. So it is a tower defense roguelike. Um, is a game that I got a code for. I've been playing it on a PC, having a great time with that. I'm going to play a little bit more, and that'll be a thing that I'll uh, review and throw up on uh, patreon.com slash responding fire, and then I'll go live for everybody. But Hope's End is a game that I'm playing and I'm having a really good time with. Uh, brings me back. I'm like, oh, man, feels like 2001 all over again. I'm into this. This is great. Um, what the hell does this mean? Why do I do this? Oh, State of Decay 2. I started playing State of Decay 2 again. Just felt like killing zombies and having a base. It's really funny. I was just like, hey. I literally... So there's a feature on Xbox and PC as well. Where you can click on a button. It's just like, give me a random game. And I'm once in a while when I'm bored and I don't have anything to play, I'm like, I'll hit this button three times. And the third thing it is, I will play. And the habit of falling State of Decay 2. So I played that for was a couple there, hours. I know that there was a State of Decay 3 that was in development. Did that ever come out? Yeah, no, they had an announcement trailer a couple years ago. We haven't seen anything since then. So that would oh, I no. wouldn't be shocked if that one came out in the next couple of years, but we haven't seen anything in 
were there like were there like development issues on that game studio issues like like, like what's going on with it I don't think so. I think we just got an announcement. It's just one of those things you get an announcement trailer and then you see it, you know, four years later and here it is. It's out. Uh, let me see. Because I remember watching, I think it was at an E3. Um, what do you call it? Yeah. The announcement trailer was 2020. So, you know, they were developing okay. during COVID. Um, okay. And that's all we've had so far is just that one trailer in the middle of 2020. Yeah. If I, if, if I sounded real dower asking that it's just because over the course of the past few years i mean we've had a lot of microsoft studios run into issues run into problems projects you know take too long or come out weird and unfinished and i don't know if this is another game that had been struck in by the microsoft state of affairs but i guess if it was announced in 2020 and you know has been in development over the course of the pandemic and it's trailing off then yeah, it would make sense that it wouldn't quite be ready yet, but you, you would have to hope that it will be ready soon, right? Hope to see it soon. Yeah, and then I think it was, because I'm reading something now, that the developer Undone Labs was purchased, and then there was like, um, before they were purchased, it was like allegations of mismanagement, burnout, misogyny, blah, 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 whatever. So they were going mm. through like, let's get the bad people out of the company, and we're making a game during the pandemic. So still plan to come out, mm. but I don't know when that comes out. I'm hoping because okay. I really like that. I like that style of game. Um, so we'll see whenever it comes out. It'll be cool. But uh, two is good. Um, and then the last thing is I beat Final Fantasy Origins. Stranger of Paradise. Killed Chaos. That whole thing. Um, beat it. I think it was like 16, 17 hours. I uh, had a good time. Excited to talk more about it. Trying to, I'm trying to determine if I should do research into Final Fantasy. Because, oh boy, a lot of that story went right over my head. The story of the game I get. What it's connected to, fucking no idea. But I knew that I was going to know that going in. Because uh, this was my barf month, because all the games that I selected for this barf month were of my choosing, I'll probably do the research and lead the discussion on that podcast. You're free to do any other research you want to do for your own comprehension, but I'll I'll fill you in on all the gaps when we actually do the podcast itself. Okay, because I think my one, the one thing that I can glean from what I played was like, I think I should know what happens in the original Final Fantasy game. Because I think that would explain everything in the back half of this game. Because there's for the a record, point where it turns. For the record, I've never actually beaten the original Final Fantasy itself. Like, and realistically, I think most people that play this game hadn't played the original Final Fantasy either. It was one of those things where, like, I knew via osmosis, like, the basic plot line of it, and that kind of was enough to kind of get me going. Uh, we will definitely... I I, I want to hold my tongue right here and right now because there will be a lot to talk about on the podcast proper with yeah. regards to not, not just the game itself, but also its lineage and connections to the original Final Fantasy. So let's put a tab in that conversation for now. Sounds good. Uh, and that's it. Yeah, like I said, this week coming up, I'm going to play some Coffee Talk, play some Star Wars, and nothing else. So don't speak to me unless it's about coffee, making coffee for orcs, or, you know, killing stormtroopers. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move into our quest log, though. Short one this week, but we're doing all right. One last chance to go to hell. Ooh, I'm talking to you. Go to hell. Chris Scolian at VGC. Uh, Blizzard has announced that Diablo 4 will be getting a final open beta weekend next month. Funny thing. I always forget this game comes at the beginning of June. This game is basically like a month away. Isn't that crazy? Insane. Wild. Uh, all right. 
dubbed the Server Slam. The event will be free to everyone and will take place on May 12th through May 14th. As the name suggests, Blizzard says the event is designed to, quote, give players one final weekend in hell to experience a fraction of what Diablo 4 has to, af- uh, has to offer, while simultaneously testing the capability of its servers prior to launch. Players who take part will also be able to earn a mount trophy, which will carry over to the main game if they can defeat the beta's hardest enemy. Uh, again, from Blizzard, steal yourself before one of uh, the Burning Hell's most foul machinations. Ashava? Is that how you say it? Do you know how to say it? I don't know. I, I assume that it was pronounced Ashava, but Ashava. I, no I mean, uh, yeah, it's a it's a held demon. Uh, players who manage to defeat Ashiva, Ashava, with one level twenty character will get the mount trophy, which is called Cry of that aforementioned evil machination. Uh, if you yeah. really, really, really want to get the Cry of Ashava or Ashava, however you want to pronounce it. I will be more than happy to jump into this beta to get it alongside you. Otherwise, I don't think I'll be jumping into this one. Doesn't seem like there's enough new content to make it worth playing, unless you're like a Diablo super fan that wants to experience everything that the game has to offer ahead of a release. So cool cool that they're doing this. A little bit weird that they're calling it a server slam, because that sounds like they're trying to destroy their own servers, but uh, don't think I need to jump into this. Yeah, probably not for me because it sounds like it's the exact same content that we had before. But I do like that they're like, hey, here's a free open one. Try to break the game, please, so we can be ready on launch. Because, you know, you would hate that if they didn't even bother with server test or beta test. And then, you know, the launch week is like, oh, we can't play it. I can't believe it. But if they're like, hey, we're going to try to mess it up. I yeah. Mean, sounds good. I'd, I'd, you're doing your due diligence, I suppose. They're you know, most likely trying to avoid a similar situation to what happened with Diablo's, uh, with Diablo 3's launch, where that game uh, had its, like, infamous error code 37, I want to say. It was like a 30-something error code. In any case, that made the game unplayable for quite a few days until they finally issued a hotfix, so I'd imagine they want to avoid that as much as possible. Yep, go for it, and again, maybe we'll try to get this mount, but be, apparently you're you're supposed to be very under leveled to fight this thing so uh, we'll see but i think it's cool um the last story last push to street fighter 6 from tom ivan at vgc capcom has re- capcom has released a street fighter 6 demo for playstation 4 playstation 5 set for release on xbox series x and s and steam on april 26th so a day after you're hearing the podcast the demo lets players uh lets users play the beginning of world tour as well as select modes and fighting ground World Tour lets players create their own character, explore Sears' open-world areas, and learn moves from existing Street Fighter warriors. Uh, Capcom announced four additional characters coming to the game in the first year. Ra- Rashid? Rashid? Why, do I, why is it full of things that aren't real words? Maybe it is a real word, but words that I'm unfamiliar with. R-A-S-H-I-D will be introduced this summer, followed by A-K-I in the autumn, Ed in early winter uh, 2024, and Akuma next spring. All four characters will be included as masters in World Tour, and will also uh, and are also included in the deluxe and ultimate editions of Street Fighter VI. Not a super big Street Fighter guy. This doesn't really matter to me much. But another thing, like, hey, here's a demo for a game that's about to come out. That's a massive game. That like, holy shit, comes out in a month. Just a heads up, everybody. We got big stuff coming. Um, are you not a Street Fighter guy? Are you at all? No. Yeah. Me never. Either. Never played one. I can't do the quarter circle stuff. I'm not a fan of that. But. Everyone's excited. I think it'll review well. I did. Cool. We talked about this very briefly on the Rafferty episode that we did, but I did 
way back in the day buy and play a fair bit of uh what was it tatsunoko versus capcom which was the capcom vs game where they fought uh the tatsunoko brand of anime characters oh yeah those if classic comic book characters <laughs> so the thing about the thing about Tatsunoko is the way that someone once described it to me that I think is probably a fair enough comparison is Tatsunoko is to Japanese animation what Hanna-Barbera is to American animation, where there are like, you know, a lot of Hanna-Barbera characters like the Flintstones or Yogi Bear, where it's like, oh, yeah, I know those guys. They're like Flintstone vitamins. They exist. They're still somewhat culturally relevant, but they're not like you know, the most culturally relevant characters of all time. Same sort of deal with Tatsunoko, where there are a lot of characters in there that your average Japanese person off the street would be able to identify and name, but they're not exactly, like, the most popular kind of characters. It's very much one of those things where, like, clearly the people that made Tatsunoko versus Capcom are like, well, I grew up watching Tatsunoko cartoons i want to like my ultimate wish fulfillment fantasy is to make a tatsunoko versus capcom game and thus it was made yeah can you imagine like ken punching snagglepuss is like is that the level of random that's, characters we're getting <laughs> i mean that's again again in the sense that this is a japanese equivalent of Hanna barbera that's kind of the idea mm-hmm. like snagglepuss and marvin the martian it's like all right where's fred and uh mr jetson at like i don't care about these other guys that is cool though Um, all right. That's it for the quest log and the most of the show, except for, can, do you sing? Not really anymore. I used to sing in my, uh, choir in high school. Uh Baba Yetu. We've talked about this. Yeah, we have, but can you sing this right here? What I've just highlighted. Sigmund from Adam. I don't know if you wanted anything longer than that. No, it's great, man. I set you up. You knocked it out of the fucking park. (laughs) It was very nice. Uh, This segment from Adam, there's no game on game show because Chad's not here to do it, but a segment from Adam is a bit of a fun game. The cat's away. The mice are still here eating your cheese out of your cupboard and your crackers. Um, So for you, I've been wanting to do this for a while, Alex, and I've decided to do a version of what I've wanted to do forever. I'm going to give you... I don't know the name of it. It's like... Whatever. I can't... That's not even a name. That's just a word that I said. The idea is... You know, Mario just came out. Oh, cool. Mario movie. Awesome. Cool adaptation of a thing thing. So, what I have for you... Is a list of licensed video games... Based off of movies first. So, we're going... Movie to, to game. And I need you to tell me how good you think that they are. And there's only one reason I've ever wanted to do this is because there's one video game that I think is amazing that no one ever talks about. Okay. Basically, I have the pulled up on Metacritic, the highest score on Metacritic. You just give me a guess on what you think, you know, that this adaptation of a movie video game did, you know, based off of the back and forth of Mario getting it. By the way, you saw the Mario movie, right? Yeah, I did. The problem is, is that was, I saw it the weekend where I didn't have any power. And so Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to record the podcast with you guys that weekend. And so I missed out on being able to talk about that movie as well. Real quick, real talk. Yeah. Uh, Enjoyed that movie a lot. It was also kind of a weird day, though. There were some things that happened that particular day that left me in a bit of a dour mood. And I needed a pick me up. And that movie provided all the pick me ups that I ever could have wanted. Um game uh the movie's not without its flaws i think anytime that the movie switches to a licensed uh music track it r- 
sensibility kind of feels like it's in the crapper. When people criticize this movie for feeling like it was made by committee, I mean, those scenes definitely stick out pretty harshly in that regard. But overall, good time. Enjoyed it. Picked me up. Yep. I also just recently watched it. I also like, like it beautiful, all the cool references. But I also see why critics were like not in love with the movie because it's like extremely light on plot it's basically like meet this person go here meet this person go here movie's over uh but, but i enjoyed it i had a great time what's funny about that is like that is i mean a mario game to a t like like they made a mario movie that like incredibly successfully manages to like copy the experience of actually playing a mario game without playing it and in that regard it's like this is almost commendable but i i totally understand not loving that yeah, no, I get why critics don't like. It. it was fun. I also will just say, Jack Black. I've never, I've never heard a person have more energy in a recording booth than that man. Why does he always sound like he is on a hundred and fifty when everyone they're like, we only need you to be seventy, and he's like, how about I just literally go to a number that's impossible? I love Jack Black. He's just very good. Um, but anyways, I have five games for you, based off of movies. Some of them are good. Some of them might not be. You give me a guess. We'll talk a little bit about them. So, number one. It's a video game. Came out in 2005. Released mm-hmm. on the PlayStation 2 and the original Xbox. Based on a 2005 science fiction movie. I remember this movie being somewhat important or special. Being as one of the first DVD releases ever. Reign of Fire. No. Incorrect. Um... Features a very famous actress, Charlize Theron specifically. It's Aeon Flux, the video game. Remember okay. this movie? I have, honestly, like, you could, like, show me just a random screenshot from any sci-fi TV show and say this is from Aeon Flux, and I'd be like, yeah, sure. I have no freaking clue what this show looks like or is about. This is, like, one of those big blind spots for me. Um, Yeah. No, it, I remember it being a big deal. Like, oh, this is cool. So I think like MTV was involved or something. I just remember a girl having weird powers where her feet were hands, and that was like her superpower. Okay. And they were running around doing flips and wearing tight leather and shooting guns. It was it was crazy. Uh, but there was a video game based on that movie that some people remember. If you had to get, again, highest score, I will say it was the Xbox version of the game. What do you think that this movie based on this, or this game based on this movie would be? I'm going to give you three guesses to get closer to it, and I'll tell you higher or lower. Uh, I'm currently on the Wikipedia page for, not the game, but for Aeon Flux, the movie. Uh, And apparently it grossed a 52.3 million budget, uh, sorry, it grossed $52.3 million against a budget of $55. So I'm going to say 52. Ooh, I will say, let's put some respect on Charlize Theron's name. A little bit higher than that. Well, I'll just say higher than that. I'm not going to say how much because it may be. But it is higher than that. So not a complete utter failure, at least. Let's go with... I want to say on Rotten Tomatoes, your movie has to score at least a 60 to be considered not a critical bomb for it to be considered fresh on some metric of success. So let's go with 60. Solid 60. 6-0. 60 is absolutely getting closer. Okay, it's, wow. It's getting closer. It's pretty nice. Uh, let's go with... I'm going to go with 68. 
We're, we're going to stop one point short of 69. It was a 69 on Xbox. Oh. <laughs> but, I mean, you're right there. I mean, that's from from having no information to getting within one point of its Metacritic is excellent. Uh, also, shout out to Joel's in the chat. Shoop de whoop. Yeah. Th- thank, you. thank you for the tier one subscription, by the way. Thank you very much, Joel. I love you. Uh, maybe he showed up on the Rafferty. That is going to be on patreon.com slash respawn fire. Maybe he was a cool guest. Who knows? Um, all right. So, yeah, it was 69 on Xbox Aeon Flux. Everyone remembers it. I'm saving that one for last because that's the one I'm so excited about. Let's move that one over there. All right. Next up, it was a, a video game based on a movie, based on a popular book series, but it only got one movie. They're like, we're going to make a franchise, and it never happened. It was unfortunate. The video game came out in 2006. Um... Oh, Vivendi is published by Vivendi Games. Hmm, interesting. By the way, the film also came out in 2006. Um, it's Aragon. Oh, this one. Aragon. I saw this one. I also saw this movie. The video game based on the movie, based on the book, that they only ever made one. And they've talked multiple times about, like, we're going to bring Aragon back. All right. Because people recently, Recently, there have been a lot of, uh, like, book and like film franchises that they've been like announcing tv series adaptations of they announced a tv like adaptation of this particular franchise and like Mm -hmm. honestly i'm all for it Uh, this movie was not great it was not a good adaptation of the books i'm all for a tv adaptation that does right by this adaptation's wrongs i think it'd be cool so this again 2006 came out on everything we have Xbox, Xbox 360, PS2, PSP, GBA, and the DS. <laughs> this was on everything. So I have, what I'm going to give you is, I have a highest score and I have an absolute lowest score. And they're pretty big difference. I will let you guess and try to get as close as you can to either one of those. But Aragon, the video game. So here's the thing. Many, many years ago, this is not recently, but many, many years ago, I actually went and looked up reviews for the Aragon video games, like Metacritic Metacritic scores. Uh, And so I actually have a little bit of intuition of where these scores might be placed at. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say that the highest it got was a 75. And I think that is due in large part to the DS uh, adaptation of the game and I think that the lowest let, let's go at 45 and I'm going to pin that on the console home console adaptations of the movie I'll give you two things here your highest I will say that both of your scores are within five okay. GBA is the highest rated one. Oh, hold on a sec did it come to both the GD, GBA or, or the DS or was it, it came to both? just the GBA it oh really See, for whatever reason, I was like, oh, it came to the, it must have come to just the DS, but no, it came to the, it came to the GBA as well. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you were within five. It did come. GBA is the highest rated. Because what I remember, what I remember, sorry, real quick. What I remember about the GBA version of the game is that I remember it just being like a sprite-based JRPG. And the guy who reviewed it, or at least one of the reviews I remember reading of it being like, yeah, it's just like a a solid JRPG with like decent pixel art. It's totally serviceable and fine. Seven point five. Uh, and then the 
uh, Lowe's version was Xbox 360. The original Xbox version actually got a point higher, but that was a f- uh, that's the Lowe's version. So highest version GBA, Lowe's version 360. You're within five for both of those scores you guessed. Let's go with you know what? Let's go. Let's lowball things a little bit. Let's go uh, 73 highest, 40 lowest. Uh, your lowest score got farther away. Your highest score got closer. Uh, in that case, let's go highest base 70, 70, uh, lowest 48. <laughs> you nailed both of them. GBA wow. was 70, Xbox 360 was a 48 out of 100 on Metacritic. What did, uh, what did the DS version of the game get? 63 out of 100. Okay. For whatever that means. It's just wild that they made that for so many skews off of that. They really thought Aragon was going to be a big deal. That's like, Lord of the Rings was big, Harry Potter was coming out, Harry Potter, man, we're going to do our own franchise. <laughs> Did not work out as well. Uh, yeah. Ooh. I remember being excited for this one and seeing a bunch of ads in fucking like Game Informer magazine and stuff. Uh, it's a video game that came out in 2002. Hmm. It was based... Mm, this one's kind of a cheat because it's not directly based on a movie, but it is a sequel to a 1982 movie by John Carpenter. It's The Thing. The video game is called The Thing. It is technically a sequel, but I wanted to include it because I actually remember being excited for this video game back when I was a child. Um, It came out... uh, Let's see. I'll scroll down and see what my scores are. PC, PS2, and Xbox. They're all basically the exact same score. There's one point difference on PC, and the console versions are the same. Uh, score so the thing based off of john carpenter's movie from 1982 what would you guess um also the developer computer artworks and published by black label games and Konami did the console ports or published the console version. I, I am not familiar with any of those names except for except Konami. for Konami. oh black label games apparently is vivendi they keep popping up in all these video game things huh yeah they must have swallowed them at some point um the thing about this particular adaptation is I've actually heard a lot of people over the years mention this ad- adaptation, talk about how much they love the, uh, this is going to sound like a dirty word, but the gimmick of this adaptation where the like identity of the like killer shape-shifting monster would be randomized every time. That being said, I can't help but feel like rose-tinted nostalgia might be playing a part here with people's rosy memories of this game. I don't think this game reviewed poorly, but I'm going to pin its Metacritic at a 76. I don't think this game got blazing hot reviews when it came out. I would say you're so hot that if I put that score next to my blood, it might pop and turn into an alien because that's what happens in the thing. That's how they test the blood. You're very close, is what I'm saying. Your score is extremely close. 75. Maybe it's getting a little colder. All right, 77. 77 was the PC version. 78 was the PS2 and Xbox version scores. Pretty good for, uh, uh, again, fucking, what was that, 20 years later? Let's do a video yeah. game based on the thing. I mean, that was very... I mean, it's very similar to what happened with The Warriors, for example, mm, where yeah, The Warriors, right. there had not been like a sequel to The Warriors or like an, an anything of The Warriors for like many, many years. And then randomly Rockstar was like, you know what? We really love that Warriors movie. Let's make a, a game adaptation off of it. I feel like nowadays, like that would never happen. 
no major AAA video game studio is going, you know what, let's make a video game sequel slash adaptation of like a 40 year old older older movie no man there's i'm just reading through that there's a lot of interesting systems yeah like they could be imposters there's like a fear trust system where if you know they got too scared they would like freak out and you'd have to like calm them down or they could kill themselves or have a heart attack they would randomly be aliens that's such a cool the 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 quote-unquote problem with potentially making like a modern day video game adaptation of the thing is it would just be a ripoff of Among Us. Like, yeah. I don't know how you make a modern uh, like version of this particular movie franchise without just making it almost exactly like Among Us, but I guess more realistic in terms of graphics and tone and whatnot. Yeah, there's literally like, you know, imposters and stuff. All right, next up, we have a video game that came out in 2007. Um, another, the movie also came out in 2007. It's a new line, uh, cinema movie that got a, a bit of a reboot on HBO Max a couple of years ago. That would be the Golden Compass, which I believe on HBO is this movie, materials. Man, this is, all of the movies, except for, uh, the John Carpenter movie, th- these movies are like such a period in time in my life and <laughs> in all our lives, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw this movie. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I'm trying to... I'm pretty sure His Dark Materials is... The Golden Compass is in that, in that same world. Yeah. I is. recognize... Sorry, real quick. I just want to say, I recognize that for for some people, uh, The Golden Compass was probably like their Aragon, where it's like, man, you took this great book and you just completely butchered it. But as somebody who had not read any of the Dark Materials books beforehand, I was just kind of like, yeah, this is just like a fun, weird sci-fi movie in a weird world. And there's a talking bear, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Ian McKellen, right? Am I crazy that the bear was Ian McKellen? I'm not there. I guess so. I don't I, know. I know there's one scene where he drinks like alcohol out of a bucket. That was pretty cool. Pretty awesome. All right. So Golden Compass again came out on DS, PC, PS2, PS3, PSP, Wii, and Xbox 360. The highest score is the one I'll give you, which was the PS2 version. Wasn't that an era where they like made cross-gen games and the older one was the better one? Yeah, I bet. My, my theory is that the, the PlayStation 2 version of the game was probably the best version because I suspect whoever whoever was responsible for working on those uh, like tie-in adaptations, they probably just had more experience with the PlayStation 2 because at that point in time, the PlayStation 2 had been out for quite some time. Whereas the you know PlayStation Three, Three Sixty were still relatively new yeah, and like a, year a little bit tough to develop, a little bit tough to develop for. So they were probably <laughs> able to just get more out of the PS Two uh, version, even yeah, though I'm only it looking... was built for weaker hardware. Yeah, yeah. I'm only looking for the highest score, but I will just let you know the PSP was a twenty-eight, which is the lowest. Yikes! Score. But we're not looking for PSP. We're looking for the PS Two. So, what did Golden Compass get on PS Two on Metacritic? Honestly, I'm going to go with a 71. Uh, I will say you're off by quite a bit. <laughs> not even Whoa. close. Um, not close. I would say it's it's closer to the PSP score than the one you just said. Okay. Like I say by for, how for much. A second, for a second, I was like, wait a minute. Is this, is this the game that Adam thinks is secretly amazing and that people really love? But you saying that it's closer to the... PSP score makes me think that is not the case. No, no. Um, 
In that case, I'm going to go with a 58. 58 is closer. Much closer. Wow. I think your 58 is closer than the PSP score is in real. So your score that your 58 is closer than the 28 is to this score. So it's somewhere in the middle of there, but you're on the closer side. Let's go with a 64. Well, no, you would have to go down. Oh, sorry. Because it's I between didn't... 28 and the whatever you just said. I had a, I had a brief lapse in judgment. And I, I didn't quite understand yeah, yeah. Uh, your explanation. Uh, in that case, let's go with a 51. Pretty close. You're within five. It's a 46 on PS2. The highest score this game got was a 46. Wow. Yep. Poor your look. What did the other... What, what what did the other versions outside of the PSP version get? Uh, let's see. PS3 got a 40. 360 got a 41. Wii got a 35. Uh, mm. DS got a 43. No bueno. Yeah, all over the place. Um, <laughs> it's funny, just looking above here. The music, the score was nominated for two awards at the 2008... Gaming Audio Network Guild Awards, Music of the Year, which was won by Bioshock, and Main Theme Music for Best Original Instrumental Song, won by also Bioshock. What is Game is, Award Network Guild Awards? I've never heard of that shit. <laughs> I don't know, but but this this game of all video games getting its music nominated for like Best Score of the Year, it, that's like, uh, what was it? That was like uh, Suicide Squad, the, the 2017 movie. Uh, or was it 2016? The 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 original the Suicide bad Squad, the non right, the the bad one, the non James Gunn one. That's like that movie getting and winning like best costuming. I cannot remember that came out. That one for that won an Oscar. That movie won an Oscar. I mean, I guess the Alligator Man looked okay. Uh, all right, we're gonna move on to our last one. This is the one I'm excited about. Not because it's I'm not gonna say what the score is or, or my opinion of the video. I've actually never played the video game. But every time I Google and I'm looking for, like, licensed video game, you know, sometimes you just randomly research that stuff. This one never comes up. And I don't know why, because I think it's probably... This feels like a thing that, like, you know, Giant Bomb would play one day and be, like, get really invested in it. And, like, its fans would, like, be in on the joke that Giant Bomb likes this bad video game. Um, But it is a 2010 video game Mm. based on a 2010 movie. Features... Mega actor Sam Worthington. But it's not blue Sam Worthington. He's not an avatar. Right, because Avatar technically came out at like the very tail end of 2009. Not 2010. Of the Titans. Oh. I thought thought you were going to say Terminator Salvation. Uh, That was also on the list, but I did not pick it. Clash of the Titans just seems to me like a bad video game that some YouTuber would would get super into, but just I don't I've never seen anyone ever talk about it. But yeah, Clash of the Titans the video game is what it's officially called. Uh, developed by Game Republic and Glue Games did a BlackBerry version. Just a heads up there, but it was published by uh, Namco Bandai and Warner Brothers. Because I guess it's a Warner Brothers movie, so that makes sense. Uh, but yes, we have two scores. It was on PS3 and it was on Xbox 360. They're both within a point, so whatever. Um, yeah, I just love that there's a BlackBerry version, but there's no score for that because it was 2010 and who's using a BlackBerry? But anyways, Alex, if you'd like to guess my favorite game that no one ever talks about. Let's start the points at 68. 68. I would say you're being too generous. <laughs> okay. 
when when you when you hype this up saying that like this is a game that you're a huge fan of i assume that it was like a diamond in the rough that this was a game that actually was like surprisingly well reviewed and like thinking it over in my head before i decide to slap a 68 on it like i can see a development studio being like look Clash of the Titans, not unlike God of War, features a lot of these same like mythological figures and characters. We just got to make like a decent God of War clone and we're good. But what you're telling me right here and right now is that it's not even that. No, I, again, it seems like a bad video game that some YouTuber would pick up on and be obsessed with because I've seen screenshots and I'm like, oh, wow, this is a thing that someone would be into. Again, it's and, an that you're, and that you're fascinated with for that reason. Yeah. I will say, not that this helps you at all, that the Rotten Tomatoes for the movie Clash of the Titans is at a 27. The video Ooh. game is higher rated than the movie. Let's go with 47. 47. You're getting very close. I would say okay. you're within 10 one way or the other. Okay. I will Let's... also point out this because this is the one I did research on. Not research. Sam Worthington. Again, we know him as the actor in Terminator Judgment and Avatar and in Clash of the Titans. Also, main character of one of the biggest video games of all time, Call of Duty Black Ops. This man was all over films and video games at this point in time. Like 2008 to 2011, Sam Worthington was eaten. Having a good time. Yeah, and then kind of disappeared for a little while before we got to Avatar 2. Avatar 2, (laughs) and he came back. Yeah. I, I do, I mean, I do kind of feel bad for the guy real quick because like... If you read up on that guy's history, like he was like living out of his car and like laying bricks and like was did not have a whole lot going on until they got the Sam Worthington part in Avatar. I forget Jake Sully, Jake Sully, yeah, until Jake he Sully. got the Jake Sully role in Avatar. And it was kind of this moment of like, holy shit, I made it. And then over the course of the next two years, everyone's like, yeah, you made it in Avatar, but like you, you don't really got the stuff when it comes to some of these other movies. Another uh, I interesting did like him. point. Yeah, no, I did like him. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You liked him in what? Uh, I, I will say I did like him in Avatar 2. That movie, you know, is what it is, but like, I, I thought he put on a pretty good performance there. No, I like I like Simon Worthington. I believe, I don't want to misquote it, but I think it was from him being in Terminator. Because I believe, that's James, James Cameron, right? Yeah, yeah, James Cameron produced it. He didn't direct that one. Right. That's why... But he knew him from Avatar. He's like, hey, I like Sam Worthington. And if they put him in that movie, they're like, he's the most generic everyman actor that you could possibly have. I suggest him to put him in Terminator. And that's how he got the part in Terminator. Because he's like, he's such an, a blank slate of a human being. <laughs> He'd be great for this character. I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, I guess he got paid, so it's all good. But uh, yeah, backhanded compliment if I've ever heard one. Uh, let's go with, I got one more shot. Let's go at 42, Meaning of Life. 42. You're so you know what? You got it. The 360 was a 42, the PS3 okay. was a 41. So you nailed it. All right. You're actually very good at this video game. At this video game. Not this video game. You're very good at this game that Adam made up in the segment from Adam. Look at that. Thank you. I just wanted to talk about Sam Worthington. Remember like a month ago when I wanted to talk about Gerard Butler a bunch? I just want to talk about Sam Worthington this week. That's all it is. That's my segment. Segment from Adam. Segment from Adam. Love it. We're having a good time here. All right. And that is today's show. Because there's no game on game show. Hope Chad does well, everyone. Thanks for hearing us. There are a couple of things here to end the show, though. 
First of all, thank you, <clears throat> Alex, for being here. I will say first up, you know, patreon.com slash respawn aim fire. Vote on Barth games for the month. Dope wallpapers, all that cool stuff. Another thing, again, we're going to vote on another Barth game. Should be pretty soon. We'll be recording our um, Final Fantasy Origins boy band back together, back lot. Um, should be relatively soon when that gets released. So pay attention to Twitter and the Patreon to vote on what game we play for next month. Um, Alex did a he did Raft Pretty for us, which is just a random game that's not like another one. But it was me, Chad, and a mystery guest. Maybe he was mentioned earlier in today's show. Um, and I will just say, Alex, fucking such good work. It is the most like well-produced thing ever. And like that'll be on Patreon first and for about a month or so. So a dollar on Patreon, you can watch it. And it's totally worth it. It is like Alex actually works for Jeopardy and made like... It was it was crazy, dude. Just like congrats on that. We said it then, but we're gonna say it again. Uh, good stuff, dude. Thank you. I, I'm glad that you all enjoyed it. Uh, at some point in the future, we will have a brief segment on this podcast in which we go through my thought processes, like uh, preparation for me doing Rafferty, because there's certainly a lot to talk about there. I think we wanted to do it on this episode, but when Chad got preoccupied, I guess we decided to punt it to a future episode. We'll definitely do that at some point, because yeah, uh, a lot of uh, time and effort and uh, creativity went into preparing Rafferty, and I think it paid off. And I think that uh, y'all that are listening to this, that are subscribed to our Patreon, will uh, agree with us once you finally get your hands on it. Yeah, no, it was great. Thanks for doing that. Uh, thanks for being on the show just in general. But like, oh, man, I was like this. The minute you pressed that first button and that thing happened, we were like, oh, shit, look at this. This is real stuff. It was awesome. So, yeah, Respawning Fire. Um, Patreon.com says Respawning Fire. Get Rafferty. Help us vote on Barf. Rafferty will be going for everybody a month later. But if you want to get it early, pay a dollar and, and do that. Uh, that's it for today's show. I think I said everything. Thank you once again, Alex, for being cool. And thanks for being here with me. And we'll uh, see everybody be pretty busy next week, I think. So pay attention to everything Respawning Fire. And uh, our usual sign-off is the mice. We've gotten into the ice cream at this point. We've eaten everything in the house. And we're going to start chewing on the copper wires. Okay. All right. Good to go. Okay.